Joshua Rashad McFadden is an award-winning and internationally recognized assistant professor of photography at RIT's School of Photographic Arts and Sciences, a transformative artist, social justice advocate, and change agent. He possesses a unique vision of the Black American experience. In this episode of Intersections, the RIT podcast, McFadden talks with Todd Jokel, Dean of RIT's College of Art and Design, about how his artwork transcends the genres of fine art, street photography, and photojournalism to bring forward powerful stories about the realities of the injustices Black people in America are still facing today. The, the first body of work of yours that really caught my attention is After Selma, uh, covering the, the 50th anniversary of the march from Selma to Montgomery. And, and how do you think that particular experience of covering that commemorative march in 2015 informed your trajectory to the present? Let's back up to 2012. And so in 2012, uh, Trayvon Martin was, was killed. And it was the first time that my generation has seen such an outcry for an uh, incident of, of violence against African-Americans in this country. That's when we started to see um, a new civil rights movement called the Black Lives Matter movement. And moving from there, uh, we saw more and more demonstrations. That's when I began to think about how I can make work that speak towards, uh, speaks towards these issues. And so when I started grad school in 2013, um, I, I was in the South and we just kept seeing instances of police brutality happen um, and protest protests were, you know, have sparked across the country. And so here I was in Atlanta thinking, you know, what, what do I do? I started to photograph protests in Atlanta. And so 2015 was also the 50th commemoration year of the march from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery. And I began to think about this, you know, it was, it was a big, it was a big triumph for, um, you know, this country, African-Americans fought for the right to vote and voters' rights were achieved because of what happened in Selma and in Montgomery. You know, a, a civil rights movement, you know, led by Martin Luther King, um, a movement that we all know about today. But also in 2015, we saw black men and women, black people still being killed by police, brutalized by police officers. So I wanted to travel to Selma to document not only the commemoration of that march but also this idea of the mending or the joining of uh, these two movements, the civil rights movement of the 60s and the Black Lives Matter movement. So in the photographs, you started to see young people with Black Lives Matter signs and banners, but you also saw men and women uh, who marched in the Selma March back in 1965. And it's hard not to think about, you know, where are we now? Why are we here? Uh, why are we still going through the same things that our grandparents went through? The people that are still alive, still here, I can only imagine what they feel. So in Selma, I began to document uh, what I saw in the marches, the people. You know, I um, always like to explore history and where we've been. You know, this idea of history, this circular, cyclical idea of history within, within all of my projects. But after Selma was the first time I really specifically looked at the past and present in one body of work. 
you know, thinking about that, you know, that that moment for after Selma and and jumping forward, you know, really to 2019, 2020, in this body of work and evidence, Volume One, where you're really combining uh, photographs of uh, black males uh, with their own writings, uh, accompanied by a newspaper that references, of course, uh, one of Rochester's adopted uh, sons in in um, Frederick Douglass in the North Star newspaper. I'm wondering how you might make, a, or if you do, draw a relationship uh, between sort of these photographs, the newspaper, and the most recent assignments uh, that you've been engaging in and photographing the Black Lives Matter movement, protests, uh, funerals, uh, and Black citizens who've been, you know, the funerals of Black citizens who've been killed in, in police custody. Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. With evidence, the I began making the portraits for evidence back in 2017, actually. Um, I just started to think about, again, as ideas of history. Um, you'll see themes like the slogan, I am a man, within evidence repeated over and over again. And that's because I did a different project about the sanitation worker strike in Memphis, Tennessee, which their slogan was, I am a man. And so I just started to think about, you know, what would that mean today with young people today? And, you know, these kind of strict ideas of what a man is and what a woman is and ideas of gender and how that's being challenged today. But then also looking at Frederick Douglass and in a lot of his writings, he spoke about being considered a man as far as being human. So like mankind. So looking at mankind, you should consider me a part of mankind, so on and so forth, and fighting for rights back then in, in the 1800s. So I, I just started to connect all of these connect all of these dots, but also understanding that Frederick Douglass lived here uh, in in Rochester, um, worked in Rochester, was an abolitionist abolitionist in Rochester, and thinking about how that applies to myself and how I see myself but also the work that he did within photography to use the photograph to represent himself and how he wanted to be solidified in history through, through the photograph. So taking all of those ideas and putting it together in a newspaper in the likes of his North Star newspaper that he started in Rochester, New York, to present this information, this archive and information, and hence why I named the project Evidence. So within the project, you'll see young people writing out their ideas of what they think about gender, what they think about being a, a Black person in America, a Black man in America, whether they identify as a man or not, and why that might be problematic for them or problematic for many people, this idea of patriarchy and where they fit in with that. You know, I think one of the one of the beautiful elements of, of evidence is it, it, it doesn't present this monolithic idea of the Black male. Each, each subject has its own story and, and you provide that space for, for the subjects to tell that story. How, I'm thinking now of recent photographs that you've been making during the most recent Black Lives Matter protests and funerals and such. Many of the photographs are of, of males uh, and I'm wondering how you see the you know, sort of art driven, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, but that art driven uh, lens and then how that changes to your photojournalistic perspectives or is there is there a, a difference between those two? I think for me, my process um, doesn't shift too much when, you know, if I'm doing, let's say, studio portraits, 
Um, and so the work within evidence is mostly studio portraits or portraits in an environment, but there's also other components of like the studio portrait in it. But then moving to more of this documentation of protest, it's still mostly portraits. So I'm still working within portraiture and there's still engagement between the person I'm photographing and myself. A lot of the time, the person I'm photographing is directly gazing into the camera. And that causes the viewer to then have this relationship with the person that I photographed. Um, and there's a specific purpose behind that because it says this person in this photograph wanted to be photographed in this moment and they had a message too, right? They, they had a message and, and they wanted to engage with the photographer in that moment. And I think that's very important because it relays a message to whatever the message is or whatever somebody picks up from the photograph, it's relayed directly to the viewer and you almost can't look away or deny either the feeling or the intensity of their, their eye and their gaze. So I, I imagine, I can only, you know, I can only imagine this, that, that this year has been an amazing juxtaposition of emotions and, and uh, everything from exhilaration to exhaustion, from celebration to frustration. And, you know, thinking about how you've been, you know, covering the Black Lives Matter protests these uh, funerals and how really in a, in a very, it feels like a very different way from the last decade or so, the uh, calls for equity uh, and, and really evaluating and changing our society uh, has, has taken on new meaning and new, a new sense of urgency. How do we accelerate? How do we continue this? And I, I just wonder, you know, as you've, as you've been experiencing both in the personal level, but also within the Black Lives Matter movement, where do you think we start or where do we where do we continue uh how do we accelerate and just some thoughts on on that is uh both personally and also from from uh what you're what you're uh, observing and capturing through the lens i think that people need to start and pick up where where people have left off you know with this journey towards freedom i believe that there are many 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 people who are living in denial of what is happening around them. And what we have seen is that now it's undeniable, <laughs> you know, what people have been going through and are going through. There's so much pain and trauma that it is undeniable. And so it's important to know that there are thousands of people who have laid the groundwork. And I believe the answers are there already. It's just that now it's um, a group of people, you know, there's young people um, that are out there every day marching and protesting and organizing to go against a force that has denied many people true freedom for hundreds of years. And who said it, you know, freedom is a, is a, is a constant struggle. Like there, you know, each generation will have to join in the freedom struggle or the fight for, for freedom and it will shift over time. But I think that with what we've all seen, we had to accelerate and understand that everyone plays a role in this. Being out here uh, for a long time now, kind of documenting and speaking with families that have lost um, loved ones um, at the hands of injustice. 
I just wonder what they think about, you know, progress in America. And it really hurts me, you know, to think about that. You know, think about Breonna Taylor's mother, who I spent some time with and her friends and family in Kentucky. Does it take death for people to say, okay, this is too much? Does it take that? Does it really take a tragic death and an unjust death um, of such a young and, you know, vibrant life to, for people to say, oh, okay, she didn't deserve to die. I, you know, I, I really struggle with that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't take, you know, death for people to understand that people have the, you know, uh, people have human rights. <laughs> it, sh it shouldn't take that. Um, and th I think that's where I am with this idea of progress. We've seen so much tragedy. And so to be so close to um, these families and also be so close to these tragic, these tragedies that they have to experience, I think has changed me and changed my mind about this uh, journey towards freedom and justice. And uh, I, don't, I don't think, you know, people should be, should have to be in the streets crying to live, you know, for their children to live. Yeah, that, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, I think that I hope that education is one one way in which we can change a trajectory. Hopefully. And in, in thinking about that, I'm, I'm wondering how you perceive of your role as an educator and how you might be bringing your experience into the classroom to inform students, to inform colleagues, to uh, develop a different understanding and uh, engaging in these challenging conversations that we have to have uh, and how that that's playing out um, in sort of the educational practice that you're engaged in so deeply. I think that uh, through my work, I can be an example through the work that I do um, as far as the photographic work. Um, and then as an educator, you know, it always, you know, my, my passion for equality always comes up within my work because it's been basically a part of my life for so long. You know, I, I think I would have to work hard to deny that part of myself or to hide that. And people do, um, because to fight for justice means, you know, you're gonna get people, uh, people are gonna be upset. <laughs> people are gonna be upset and um, not agree with what you're saying. And, and, you know, we've seen many examples throughout the years that people who fight for justice could you know, easily become the outsider. And so I try to let my work speak for itself in many, in many instances. I've been building a class that I'll be teaching in the spring at RIT um, about uh, the photograph and, um, and justice, equality within race, um, gender and class and visual communications. And so how do we read images and make images that anyone can relate to, but also how do we catch bias and how do we see prejudice and how do we begin to understand how photography has been used as a weapon um, against people of color since its inception and how do we work to change that? And so that's another way that I begin to uh, share the knowledge with my students about how, they, how, how we can change, how we use these, these tools in our everyday lives, tools that impact people. And I'm, when I say tools, I'm talking about the tools of photography. That's just, one of, that's just one of the ways 
beyond teaching workshops about photography and justice, um, traveling and doing that, um, sharing my work, yeah. From your perspective, what is the importance of your work? What do you hope your work will accomplish? I know that I've been called to, you know, do this type of work. I used to hope that the, the work would um, inspire, you know, some sort of change or spark ideas or change the minds of people. However, I know now that the purpose of this work is to build an archive of evidence uh, and document where we are and ideas that my peers have at this time. So that like Frederick Douglass did in, in years to come, people can look back and learn from what we've been through and what we've experienced. I think that's what the work is doing right now. And maybe in a few years that'll change. But right now that's what I, I know that's the purpose of the work. Thank you for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, subscribe to Intersections on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or SoundCloud, or by visiting www.rit.edu slash news slash podcasts.